Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is Get out of here. the Extra Podcast, and I'm Greg. I'll be your host today. I'm looking forward to it. This is something like Mr. that Mr. Rogers I've, episode gone wrong over I, here. I have looked forward to this for. You do have a cardigan know. sweater on the back of your shirt, or excuse me, the back of your uh, your chair at That's your right. desk. At my desk, on my chair. But you leave here. I now. have a sweater that I leave just in case I'm warm at home. And I come here sweaterless. Is and that I get why in the you office do that? And I get cold. I have a sweater. That's an option. I just like knowing I have an option. Sweater weather. To be warmer. There's a song about that. <laughs> so joining me around the table, everyone here is actually no one guy has long sleeves on. Good for you. Andy's here. And it's hey quiet. guys, it's good to be here. Andy's here. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Kyle's here. It's, it's, it's when, a pleasure to be here. I just wanted to introduce myself. That's, that's all. Seems oh. so unlike you. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy's here. Hello. And special guest, Woohoo! Andrew Golovich. Yeah. More with, with the long sleeves. Why the long sleeves? It's beautiful you day outside. You want to know why? I get made fun of all the time for wearing this, these shirts, but I got a good deal last week at American Eagle. So I figured, you know what? So you're wearing it because you have it. Because I have it. It's a good nice. deal. They're clean because I just bought them. <laughs> I know. Well, how many other people have tried them on before you bought them? Well, that's another story. I don't know. Okay. I, did you ask your wife if that outfit matched before you left home? She did say that I needed a different undershirt because see this. Oh, that's <laughs> Oh, my So you'll notice the top buttons are done up so you can't see what's under. That is some mixed patterns going yeah, on. Hey, quiet. You have plaid on the outside, striped on the inside. So not only do we have oh, a stripe problem, but we've got a color problem, too. Why? I don't know. I don't know See, about she those shorts, that man. These are neutral. They're like a beige, and then the patterns are complemented here. No, you're not. That's... For those of you who can't see this, which is he's wearing all of a, you he's, listening to he, this. It's everyone. <laughs> it's everyone. His shorts are like a brown They're in the mustard tan. family. Yeah, they are in the mustard really? family. That's a Dijon right there. Yeah. That's yeah, his shirt there. is a color of blue, black, and green. <laughs> but look at these flip-flops. Kind of, no? Yeah, I guess you got a case there. <laughs> any rate. So, Gitch is here with us. Andrew, we, we call you Gitch, but why why does that happen? Why, why do we do that? I don't know. I think sometimes, see, you learn about this, like bullies make people feel smaller to make themselves feel better. <laughs> That'd be pretty much Greg's, the story of Greg's life. <laughs> so, wait, so you don't know why people call you I Gitch? I And it's, it's a little interesting. I'll go back a long time. When I was younger, we had a family friend named... Jim Foley. Okay, how far back are we going here? <laughs> we're going back to when I was like about five. Wow, we're rewinding it like don't 10 worry, years I'll here. I'll speed it up. No, okay, good. Okay. There's a big break in between. But Jim Foley, was a, he was a good family friend and he operated equipment for landscaping. He did a bunch of work at our house. We were good friends and so I always called him Earthworm Jim. I'm a 90s kid. so that By the way, a that's a legit show. cartoon. It's a great cartoon. It's a great cartoon. But Kyle probably doesn't have a clue because... Well, I, I missed that. My kids weren't born yet, so yeah, I missed that phase. <laughs> Anyways, Earthworm Jim. It's a great show for 80s and 90s kids. And uh, I called him Earthworm Jim. He said, you can only call me Earthworm Jim so long as I can call you Stinky Underwear Andy. So I thought, <laughs> Earthworm Jim, Stinky Underwear I could put up with that. Yeah. So fast forward trade. to September of yeah. 2014, just recently. We're in the office, and everyone calls me Gullivich or Gully or Andrew and I started calling Dan Sparrow Dirty D. <laughs> Dirty D. Just thought it's a good name. So he thought, well, if you're going to call me something, I'm going to call you something. So he asked a couple of the interns, what should we call him? And then Luke Friesen said, I like Gitch. Gitch Gullovich? Yeah, let's go with Gitch. So Luke and Dan from that day on have always called me Gitch, and it's caught on. It's stuck. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was kind of hoping for a little better story. Than I that. know it's a lame story. Yeah, I could, just you might want to just make it up. Your last name. <laughs> I'm also <laughs> I'm also not entirely sure you needed the whole five year old Earthworm Jim part. But see, that comes yeah, into play when you. It's that. a little bit of a foreshadow of what was to come. Oh, okay. I got little you. did I know when I was five, getting called Stinky Underwear Andy, that this would actually come back later. Because some people don't actually know, but Gitch is a sort of a slang term for underwear. Well, we need to have one more quick conversation here, then. No, it's I've not. I've noticed that. Also, it's not though. It, Ginch. Ginch. Is. 
but Gitch as well. Which goes to Andy's mispronunciation. Yeah, yeah we're talking about how Andy can't speak. I can't. Which I, hurts his spelling. <laughs> I, mis- I mispronunciate and misspell things on a regular basis. So you used to go by Andy, and now you go by Andrew. When did you make that change? I hated Andy, by the way, being called Thanks. Andy as a Thanks. kid. Appreciate I know, I like that. you, but I hated being called Andy. <laughs> <laughs> which Just is made Greg's day. Part of why being called Stinky Underwear Andy was a bit of a bit of a thorn because I never liked being called Andy. You didn't like the Andy part. I didn't like What's the wrong part. with Andy, man? It's a good name. Well, so, strong, solid. It is. And then I met you, and now I have lots I get lots of people huh. I request that they call me Andy. Okay, so so when did you transfer to Andrew? Well, I've always been Andrew. It's more when uh, did I transfer to Andy, and that's after uh, I met you. Gotcha. Andy. Appreciate that. <laughs> but see, now it would just be confusing if we had two Andys. You're office. right. So yeah. now you're going to have to go by Andrew or Gitch. All right. <laughs> Can I say one more thing, though? Yeah. It's sure. hilarious, though, when uh, some of my students, like middle schoolers specifically, or kids who have who catch on that my name is Gitch. So in, in the church, in the hallways or whatever at church, they'll be walking with their parents and they see me. They say, oh, hey, Gitch. And their parents are just offend, are just appalled at what their kids only say. And they say, you got to apologize. That's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> Little do they know that that's actually my nickname. So it is funny when, to watch more of the parents' see, reaction. See, you, you have handled this giving of a terrible nickname you've handled it really well that's a pretty like good some nickname, some people cool. some people might mm. bemoan that to their grave you're like huh sure yeah mm-hmm. i wear it the hey, shoe fits we should probably it. mention what fits. andrew actually does here yeah what do you do here why are you here here right now or here no at the no church? like in general yeah. yeah so i am the director of youth ministries at the mission campus so i run the show out there along with some of my volunteers and i'm kind of overseen oversaw by uh, Ron Friesen and we make it happen over there all things youth cool that's great so if you are interested in youth or if you have kids or whatever that are interested in youth and you live north Abbotsford or in mission and you want to check out the mission youth stuff just email and uh, mission youth oh mission Get youth this. I had this set up mission youth at northview.org awesome you want me to spell it no 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 mission youth yeah that makes sense yeah Glad you hey, here. Thanks. Guys, we have a correction. Someone sent in a correction of apparently Andy misspoke last week, which I'm learning is just like, I don't know, that's an everyday thing for you. So listen, technically, apparently, what did I say? I said butt naked. So let me read the email. In last week's podcast, there was a story about someone running around butt naked. This evokes the image of someone being completely clothed except for their butt. <laughs> which would be funny. Which I <laughs> Like a hospital. <laughs> Okay, who wrote this in? Which I suppose it could be accurately said of Saul that he was butt naked as he did his business in the cave in the desert of Angedi, but the appropriate term for being completely naked as if one were wearing buckskin is buck naked. Although there is some debate on the subject, it's likely that the term buck naked is the correct term and that butt naked is the result of phonetic confusion. I have been known to be phonetically confused at times. Phonetically or phonically? Phonically. This person wrote down phonically. <laughs> I think Maybe it's phonetically. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Phonics? Phonetics? Well, listen, normally I would deny those charges and say that I said it correctly, but the fact is you could just go check the other podcast <laughs> and I'm going to trust this individual that I did say butt naked. But truth be known, hmm. I think the reason I do that is I actually like the word butt naked better than <laughs> buck naked. Right. So. Do you get yeah. the same picture? But I, appreci- I appreciate the, uh, the correction. I'm always, I'm always appreciative of people's willingness to, to correct us on this. Yeah. Because we're not perfect. A lot of the stuff we talk about is just off the cuff. So. My wife enjoys correcting me on all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, this is a good time to plug the bonus podcast because there are people probably listening right now wondering, did they even think about what they're going to say? We've been talking about underwear and about being butt naked, and this has not been a good investment of my time. I don't like the banter. If you like the content, but not the banter, the bonus podcast, they're much more focused in their time and energy and they prepare. And so you can check out the bonus podcast online too. I sometimes listen to this podcast, but skip to about minute six or eight. Usually Mm. I just... Get through all that. Great. It's another option. Good. Well, now no one know, know, knows about your story. Well, we, now, that we well already, that's true. now that we Don't shared do a that. story, we might as well just kick Andrew out of here. <laughs> hey, guys, I have a few questions we can make our way through here. Uh, the first question has to do with 1 Corinthians 11, 
uh, verses 27 and 32, where Paul's talking about the Lord's Supper, and I'll read the question out. We were reminded this past weekend, this was uh, last week, so it would have been the, the message about, um, the message that this questioner is referencing is the one with Paul and Saul in the cave. We were reminded that restoring relationships is our responsibility and is necessary for a clear conscience with regards to participating in the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 32 encourages us to first examine ourselves before participating so that we do not partake in an unworthy manner and thus be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. This came up in our group discussion, uh, care group discussion, that we all actually have fractured relationships. In my own family, we're dealing with a challenging relationship with one whom we feel has rejected God's truth and chose a path that's not right. Without giving us any excuses for our own pride, how do we reckon or are standing in such situations and know we're able to approach the table and participate and not bring judgment on ourselves? Well, first, uh, this is a great question. One of the things, uh, I'm just now coming to that piece of scripture. My, my uh, cell phone was going pretty slow there. Uh, that I'd want to, I've heard people misunderstand this, this verse before. So I'd want to just take a moment to make sure that we're clear on what's being said. I remember I had a young adult once who didn't participate in communion for a year. Mm. And I, I remember eventually just talking with her about it and just saying, you know, why, why aren't you participating in communion? And she said, well, I have uh, this relationship with this, mm. with this person and, and it's not good and I need to fix that relationship. But yet, there was a couple of things that, that I thought was interesting about it. One was that she wasn't actively seeking to fix that relationship. She just mm. wasn't participating in communion. And then the second thing was that this was a non-Christian relationship it, this, uh, that, that, was, that was fractured. Mm. And I, I'm still um, okay, reading in here. that Here in uh, Corinthians, what we're looking at is Paul is talking about our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're talking about sitting down at the dinner table uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that when we come to that dinner table, just like you would with a, a family dinner table, mm. you seek to meet your, your relationships, to fix your relationships. You seek to be on a right relationship with your family as you come and you sit and you have a meal together. And the same thing with the church, that, uh, that when Paul here is talking in verse 33 uh, about your brothers and sisters, uh, that he, he's talking about the church and that those people that you are um, in relationship with at the church as you're coming to, whether it's Northview or wherever, and you're partaking of communion, that that you should be in right relationship as, as best you can do in of your, but yourself. But would we, would we limit it to, the, to Christians you're in relationship with just at the church you're currently at? Because then you could just skip to the next one. Once your relationships are such at one church that you can't ever have communion, you just decide, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to a new church. Right. No, I, I would I would put more of a blanket statement. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Good. So how, how do you know if the conflict or the, the, the fractured relationship that you're in is one that should prohibit you from the table or should not prohibit you from the table? What's the what's the difference there? I was just looking for it here in the Sermon on the Mount, um, but it, I'm not finding it. I don't know the exact reference, but um, the words are are to, to kind of reconcile so much as it depends on you. Mm. And so I think in some cases, certainly not all, but um, there there may be some conflicts or some hurt that that uh, just will just need more time. But uh, we even were encouraged in the Sermon on the Mount while well, we are at the altar giving a gift, but we have a uh, we have something unresolved to actually leave it there, go deal with what we have to deal with, and then mm. come back. And so I think it's a similar principle in terms of don't come with with harbored resentment. And so I think mm. I think sometimes there's only so much you can do on your end, mm. you know, because I can't control if I have a conflict with another person. I can't actually force them to forgive me or force their side, their heart to be softened and mm. and resolve it that way. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind too. Is is there is only so much you can do. Yeah, that, that reference, um, Romans 12, 18, as, uh, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably mm-hmm. with all. So there's, there's the, the onus is on us to try to make and mend relationships. 
Um, and that passage in 1 Corinthians, as it looks at you know, not taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way, we need to recognize that it's a, about Christ first and our, how are we connected to him, what's that relationship we have vertically, and because of what he has done in, to, in order to make people, um, you know, make a church that worships him, worships Jesus, we're to live you know, in unity with one another. So the ideal is to be connected to God and one another. Um, and then we strive toward that. And, and conversation is a great way to tease out, going back to Greg's question, you know, I, I've done this or I haven't done that. And so if you are in a community and you are discussing these things, and that's, that's a great context to try to think through the application of, of this passage. Definitely want to encourage anyone, though, that, you know, don't procrastinate mm. on this. Don't, you know, don't go years without taking communion just because you've got these fractured relationships. Seek to mend those relationships as best you can and move on mm. and partake in the, the life of the body of the church. What would you say, uh, my wife sometimes asks me the question, we'll have, I mean, everyone has certain conflicts and certain mm. kind of, as Thalia would say, muck in your life. Um, that's just inevitable. And so sometimes my wife will, will come to me and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this situation with so-and-so? Would this, would this kind of fall into that category? Um, are there some parameters that, that we could lay out or that we could go by that would help us distinguish whether something should hinder us from, mm. from the communion table? Well, the communion table emphasizes what Christ has done for us and emphasizes how he's united us. So if there's something that's going on that is a great... Um, disservice to that unity or does that is a negative example of what that unity should be that's where mm -hmm. this I think Paul is is trying to get people to wake up um, to to realize that they have been forgiven um, but yet to seek that forgiveness um, actively from from Christ and to live out that forgiveness with one another and try to mend those relationships so the communion table is a great reminder um, for the relationship that we have with God and to continue to yeah, we all mess up every day. We mess up every moment of every day. Mm -hmm. Just about we're messing up. So, mm -hmm. to be reminded of what He has done for us and the forgiveness He offers and how we come to Him, as well as the unity that that should uh, produce in in the group of believers. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of <clears throat> Ephesians four, uh, first couple of verses. This Paul talking. He says, "I therefore, a prisoner, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one and." with one another in love, you're to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Mm. That's Paul, not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging that. Here's another one that we wanted to get to. Actually, Darcy gave us a little preview last week that this was going to get talked about. So um, a couple of questions here. Um uh, they were wondering if we could talk a little bit about the differences uh, between, or sorry, not the differences, but how can we talk to either a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon when they come to our doors? So, Andy, you, I think you brought your book for just such an occasion as this. Right? Oh, actually, I'm going to quote that from my book later. Awesome. Oh, are you? <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. But uh, do you just carry that book with you? I do always? carry the book with me. I do. I hold it next to me. I I may or may not sleep with it. That book actually, pillow. I can either confirm it or not deny that. Every night it sits on my nightside table. Yeah, unread. Well, a lot why, of it. Why did we invite you here? <laughs> <laughs> but when people say, "Hey, have you, there's a good book," yeah, yeah, I have it. I, I it's... yeah, I have it. Sits on my <laughs> nightstand. I don't read it. You it's know what sits on my nightstand? Truthfully, what sits on my nightstand is a book called How to Dress. And it gives me good fashion tips. <laughs> and I might, yeah, I might need to lend that one underwear. to you. I might need to lend that one to you. So at any rate, uh, you know what's interesting? Recently, I don't know about how you how it happens with you, but I always seem to be in a hurry someplace mm. or doing something when a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon comes knocking at my door. Mm. Uh, recently, I was sanding my garage door when a Jehovah's Witness snuck up on me. And uh, I had, I like, like, he actually quite frightened me as, as uh, I turned around and there's two dudes standing right there <laughs> behind me, you know, ready to, uh, to evangelize me. So, and I always have to just take, so I, I guess my first piece of advice is, um, is something that I have to tell myself every time. And that is to, you know, take a deep breath and, and just make time for them. Uh, it, it doesn't always work out, but uh, it's something that it's I find 
a struggle is to just say, okay, I'm going to take the time. I'm going to put my power sander down and I'm going to stand here on my driveway and I'll, I'm going to have a conversation with you. So there's many things that I would suggest in those people who get into conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you kind of, you know, some of the some of the advice. That, here's some advice that I've learned over the years of talking with them. You know, because some people could say, well, you know, maybe it'd be really helpful. Should I learn everything I can about Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons? And I think, yeah, you should. That's a great thing to do. But is it going to help you in your conversations with them? Uh, probably not. Uh, in fact, the advice that I would give for people who get into a conversation with a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness isn't to, to get into uh, a theological conversation with them. And, and that might kind of surprise people. But I, I rarely ever get into a theological, like, I'll, I'll show you in a second what kind of conversations I get in with them. But, like, the, the thing is that you got to be careful of is that Jehovah's Witness is trained mm. to have a conversation with you. And they, they actually have a book that they go through. If such a, you know, if the person at the door says this, you say this. If they say that, you say this. They are in a script. So as soon as they're at your door knocking, they're in this script mode. And they've been trained for this this opportunity to talk with you, and so I've learned over the years to to get them out of their script and to begin to just have a conversation with them as a normal human being, mm. and and to see them as a normal human being and, and and somebody that's made an image of God and that I love and care for and want to share Jesus with, mm. and so that that's the first thing. It's like it's so easy when a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door just to think about it as this debate. And I want to get away from that immediately. I'm not trying to have a debate with them. Uh, I just want to talk with them. And so one of the things that I'll often do, I'll just tell you what happened recently at my garage door. Uh, I let them talk for a little bit because uh, I'm soon going to take a hold of the conversation and I'm not going to let them talk again. (laughs) So I just want to give them an opportunity to get out whatever they've got on their chest. So I let them talk for a little bit and then I get a hold of the conversation. This is one of my tactics. I figure, hey, you're coming to my door and you want to talk with me? Well, I'm going to steer the conversation where I want it to go, mm. not where you want it to go. And one of the things that I like to do, and now this is going to be a shameful plug for my book, <laughs> shame, Shameless, not, hopefully not shameful, uh, <laughs> plug for my book, is that in, the, in that book, the th- in the thinking series, I talk about subject matters that get them off their game, mm. like off their game. It, it's out of the script. Mm. So, for example, with this guy, after I let him talk for a little while, him and his buddy, uh, I asked him, hey, I said, hey, can I ask you a question? Mm. And he's like all excited. And, and he goes, yeah, you can ask me a question. And I go, and I just simply asked him, what do you think is the meaning of life? And that, that was a, like, it was like for him, it was kind of like this bomb because he, he wasn't ready for that question. He, mm. he, had to, he had to think about it. He said, you know, wow, he goes, that's a, that's a big question. And I'm like, yeah, I, I go, it is. I go, it's something I've been thinking a lot about. I, I'd just be curious to see how you, how you would answer that. And, and honestly, he wasn't quite sure how he would answer that. Sometimes I'll have guys give me different answers as they would try to answer it. And then, but what happens, it, which is interesting, is then he goes, well, how would you answer it? Mm-hmm. And so then for the rest of the conversation, I proceeded to talk to him about how I would answer the meaning of life and, and got into all kinds of conversations that ultimately led into the divinity of Jesus and it led to the Trinity. These are going to be some of the major areas that, that a Jehovah's Witness disagrees with us on. Mm. One of the things I thought was fascinating, though, is with a lot of these cults, <clears throat> they've been taught, and I'm not trying to be pejorative, but I mean, they, they've been taught some really crazy stuff. Mm. And, and, and so one of the things that I like to do is instead of you, and I like to use different philosophical ideas that are reasonable as they're thinking through things that, that get them thinking and that trying to give them anything to get to get them to think that maybe what I've been taught by the Jehovah's Witnesses isn't completely true. The problem is, is I always like to try to offer them something because they are always trying to offer me something. But with the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, they won't read any of your material. They're taught, and this is one of the things you need to understand about them. They're taught that that, you know... Depending upon who it is, but they're they're taught lots of bad things about you, that you're you're a sinner, that you sin a lot, that you're this hedonist, that you know, 
you you that you know you work for Satan and you're you're worshiping Satan kind of stuff. And I mean that like some some really crazy stuff. And so one of the things that I like to do in my conversations with them, <clears throat> excuse me, with them, is I like to tell them I like to to try to break a lot of that down. Hmm. So sharing with them about how I love and care for them, praying for them. One of the things that I highly recommend if you get in a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness, share with them a missions trip you've been on. Share with them any service projects you've been doing. Share with them how you care and love for people. I mean, I've actually had Jehovah's Witnesses leave my door messed up mm. just because they're like, wow, what I've been being taught by the church clearly isn't true because I just met a Christian and he seems to really love Jesus and he seems to really love people. Mm. And it begins to break down a lot of what they've been taught, begins to break down a lot of the stereotypes that they've learned over mm. the over the years. Um, and... And ultimately, I, I have found that to be one of the most effective ways mm. to chat with them. Mm. And, and then, I, like, so with this guy, we actually never even got into the Bible. At the end of the day, he ultimately said to me, now this is the most, I've, farthest I think I've ever gotten with Jehovah's Witness. He said, he just said, I like most of what I've heard you say. Mm. He said, I, particularly as I was talking about the meaning of life and everything, and then I, I, we actually did get into an argument, not an argument, but a debate over the divinity of Jesus. To which he didn't really have any counter. He just said he didn't like the Trinity mm. at the end of the day. And, and, but then I gave him philosophical reasons why I thought the Trinity was, uh, was important. And then he, ultimately he ended up, he ended up leaving. Mm. But, but we left on good terms. Like there mm -hmm. wasn't any, any bad terms. I have been kicked out of a Jehovah's Witness home before though, oh, cool. by the way. I've learned what not to say. <laughs> Well, so, what did whatever you don't want to go there. What did no, you say there? <laughs> I, I I just we we had this conversation, and I just I brought up the whole blood transfusion thing, and and I and I talked about the Pharisees and how upset Jesus got with the Pharisees, and I and basically said I I could only imagine how upset Jesus would get with for, with you. I'm like the Pharisees. Uh, he got upset with them for letting their their mule die on the Sabbath, and I go, you let your children's die. Children die over blood transfusions. Not the best way to go. And, uh, yeah, it's not was, bridge building. No, it really isn't. I've learned the hard See, way not what not to say, and I, I did get asked to so, leave from their home. So one of the... Kyle, you wanted to jump in here. Oh, did you want to talk a little bit about Mormonism? Or? Well, I, sure. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. No, I think uh, things that Andy brought up are, are very transferable, <clears throat> transferable, very important about making that connection with people as you meet with them. Um and maybe not leading off with the contentious point is the point you want to get to at some point is who is Jesus really? What's, mm -hmm. what's his nature? What is he really like? Um, but to, to have some sort of connection with them, build a little bit of a relationship with them so they can see you're, you're a real person, you do love Jesus, like Andy said, that you, um, yeah, that you may be uh, breaking some of the stereotypes that they've been, you know, that they've kind of gathered about other Christians um, but you want to get to the the content of who Christ is at some point and to show that um, the way that they are understanding Jesus is not the way he's described in Scripture mm -hmm. and we want to know Jesus because we want to love him and, and in order to love him we need to know a little bit about him and the the more we know about him I think the better we can love him and the better we love him the better we will follow him so mm -hmm. we want to get there eventually um, yeah Mormonism if you a couple uh, one good website is uh, Mormonism research ministry M R M org uh, really good about a lot of the details with the Mormon um, uh, with Mormons LDS um, can I tell a funny story yes um, I was uh, a number of years ago short um, I was wearing a, a, a white shirt and a tie because I meet a friend they're kind of previewing <laughs> some ministry things that the navigators were involved in at this at this hotel is going to be this little dessert thing so I was going to go hear about some cool things the navigators had been doing um, and so I, I went there, I got there a little bit early, wasn't sure exactly where to go. And a guy looks at me and he sees me as a you know, guy with a white shirt on and tie. Um, he says, LDS. <laughs> and you know, Andy has a problem with spelling, I do too. I'm mildly dyslexic. LSD. And I thought he said LSD. I thought he was offering me drugs. <laughs> uh, and I was like, no, I don't have any. <laughs> um, and he kind of nodded and left and I realized that I got it wrong. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Have either of you ever had, like, just to follow up on your story, though, Andy, um, mm. like a, what would you call it, a, a meeting with them afterwards? So I, the reason I ask is I had a, a good friend of mine 
similar encounter, right, where they actually entertain these people. Hey, come on in, let's have coffee or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, these Jehovah's Witnesses wanted to keep going. And so they obviously had to be somewhere that particular day. So they came back the next week, same time. Yeah. And they, you know, prepared a little bit more, had some food and stuff like that. And they actually brought them in. And I think, I think it ended. They had a few kind of meetings in succession. It ended when they got to the point where it was, hey, you know, if you're, if you're this interested, would you, like, would you like to come to our church? And I think that's kind of where, where the line was drawn. But I, I found it really interesting that my, my friend and his wife got to entertain these people multiple times. Yeah, I've, I've had that opportunity, <clears throat> and I know a lot of other people that have. For example, I've gone to a Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall before. Mm -hmm. I've been to their services. I've even met with their elders and had multiple meetings with them, talking with them. I even have a friend who's a former Jehovah's Witness, and in fact, it was through people talking with him and raising different ideas that he couldn't answer that he thought, thought, thought through later and talked with other Jehovah's Witnesses through later that would ultimately leave, lead him to leaving the church. Wow. But one of the things a lot of Christians don't understand, and you need to appreciate that when you're dealing with a cult like the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, or new religious movement, however you want to say that, is that these are all the same. The, the Mormons are the same as the Jehovah's Witnesses, as well as you know, Muslims and Sikhs are the same. Uh, a lot of, lot of them are, in that it's more than just a religion. It, it's a family. And if you leave this religion, you're leaving that family. Mm. And so I, I think the, the early church understood this, mm. like in that you have to become their family. Like when my friend is a former Jehovah's Witness, when he left, he had he left his family and he adopted a new family, and that was his church. And I, I think that a lot of churches and a lot of Christians need to understand what's all involved for them to leave and what the onus is on you in your participation with them. Uh, they need a family. Let me just say a couple other things, though, about the Mormons that's a little bit trickier than the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, and I would recommend another a website as well, xmormon.net, uh, is, a, is a very helpful website. You need some insider perspective when working with the Mormons. And the reason is, is that the, Nor that the Mormons, they, they use a type of theology that allows for lying. Now, I don't mean it in a negative way, and they wouldn't see it as negative. But what they see it as is this idea of like a progressive revelation is what they would probably refer to it as. And that would be that the, the younger you are in the faith, the, the less that you're prepared to understand the deeper teachings. And so the deeper teachings, if you will, don't get taught till later on. So as you progress in your understanding, more is revealed to you. So that means, though, that if you're not a Mormon and not yet, nothing's been revealed to you yet, you'll get some really weird stuff that can happen. So, for example, I've had Mormon missionaries at my door that will straight up deny having worn or wearing or that holy underwear is even ex in existence. They just straight up deny that that is actually real, that they have, and they do, holy underwear. Their oh. gitch is blessed. Yes. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> so th that what really struck me as odd, and I've had them, I've had them uh, deny other things as well. And again, I didn't understand that at first until later, and I began to learn, oh, it's just because that, that's allowed for because I'm not ready to know about that mm. doctrine as they would see it. Now, another thing that they do that's quite, that you got to be cautious of is Mormons like Christians, and they like to be considered Christian. Mm. They don't like being a cult, and they don't like being considered uh, one. And, in fact, when Romney ran for president, uh, Fox News interviewed uh, the Mormon church just to, get their take on a variety of things. And this is one of the things that came up, is just how much they don't like being referred to cult. So what the Mormons have done over the years is they have adopted a very Christian lingo. Mm. So you can have a Mormon at your door, and you can have this pleasant conversation, and you could walk away from it going, wow, okay, it was a Christian. He just used all the same words I did, and he shared the gospel exactly how I would have shared it. Mm. But you need to understand that two things are taking place. One is, is that there is doctrine that they're withholding from you because you're not you haven't progressed far enough to, to receive it. Hmm. Secondly, they have adopted Christian lingo, and they are using the same words as you, but they are defining them quite differently. Hmm. And those words mean something different than when you use them. And so you need to be cautious of the, the way that these two things are taking place hmm. when you're talking with a Mormon. Now, lots more can be said, but I'd leave it at that. I, one of the, again, one, I think what Kyle said is absolutely right. And what I was saying earlier, 
you befriend people, you love them. Why? Because God loves them. They're made in the image of God, and, and they need Jesus. And so at some point, you need to talk very clearly hmm. about Jesus. Define also, your terms. I also think that it, it's tempting to want to go down the road of feeling the need to become an expert in every mm-hmm. possible worldview that opposes Christianity. The temptation is to say, oh, if I just knew more about what they believed, then I would be able to have a conversation about it. Whereas I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a counterfeit issue, right? The, you, you're able That's to right. spot what's not true by, by really knowing what is. That's right. And so instead of investing all your time studying all these different cults and spending time investigating all these different world religions, which are all, all good things and worth doing, but for the average person, we, we just don't have time in our day to study everything. Yeah. So, and even if we did, we would only be really surface level on everything, which even then wouldn't be deep enough to still have a meaningful conversation with people who know the script. Mm-hmm. So instead of spending our time investigating a little bit everything, Let's spend our time investigating a lot into the one true, true thing. And then from mm-hmm. there, we're able to see where, where other views fit and where we can build bridges and where mm-hmm. other views don't fit and where we need to be willing to say a word of critique or mm-hmm. um, have a little bit of contention there if, if need be. What would you say, uh, just briefly, Andy, to follow up with your, your remarks about there being some confusion, some loose language, what would be a few doctrines that they would, we would have as synonyms in terms of what word we use, but they would actually define them differently. Like, what are a couple? Uh, I mean, a huge one is, is what, what is is God? They'll talk about mm-hmm. God the Father. We talk about, you know, Jesus said, pray to the Father. Um, yeah. But there's a saying that um, as, make sure I get this right, um, as man is, God once was. Mm-hmm. So the Father oh, they right. pray to was actually a physical human being on another planet that did really well and and was a faithful, obedient, righteous mm-hmm. person and ascended to the place where he could have his own spirit children inhabiting his own planet, mm-hmm. which is us. So as man, um, as man is, as humanity is, God once was. So God was once a person mm-hmm. who ascended to Godhood. Jesus. Whereas, whereas we yeah. would say that we as people are created distinct from God, that God is right. eternally... Um, God. He didn't become that. He didn't ascend to that. Mm-hmm. God has always been God, Father, Son, and Spirit for all eternity and yeah. will never not be God. Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt you there. Yeah, they, no, they, yeah. they would see Jesus as, you know, he once was a man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in that process of getting his own planet, populating it with his spirit children. And that they would see that this is God the Father, that, that we are his offspring and that we're part of his population here on yeah so that's kind of the, the bigger picture backstory that isn't like that's not the headline of the pamphlets sure. that they have yeah uh, the pamphlets like what Andy was talking about it's very family oriented it's very like mm-hmm. you know we want to be good citizens we want to do good things with which is you know God <laughs> thank God that people want to be good citizens right we want to live in a society where mm-hmm. you know people have you know don't steal from one another and mm-hmm. are upright people integrity, yeah. right they have high integrity so they have this family connectedness and to pick up on that idea that Andy brought up, it, as if they were to leave Mormonism, they leave that family connectedness. And as Andy said, we want them to be able to come into a family mm-hmm. that will receive them, which is the church, which ties back to the question about communion. Communion is where we em- embody that faith in Jesus dying for our sin, as well mm-hmm. as the, the love we have for one another. So um, mm-hmm. it's not simply a symbol that, oh, yeah, this is something, you know, we get a little bit of juice and a cracker. Every couple of weeks, it's hey, this is something that that should remind us of who we really are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, right there, you can see how they're they're defining God completely, mm-hmm. totally, completely different. In Jesus, they define completely different as well as um, seeing him as just a, a prophet and seeing Joseph Smith as mm-hmm. as a prophet as well. What about ideas of like salvation and sanctification? Would these be words that you could use interchangeably? Oh, they're going to use them interchangeably, yeah. but again, what they mean right. is going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. They're, they're interested in getting their own planets and populating them with spirit children. Right. Right. Uh, that's a completely different understanding of what how we would understand mm-hmm. uh, salvation. Now, one of the other things, too, though, that I want to bring up just quickly as we pass on Mormonism now that I think Christians need to be aware of because I see too much of Mormon theology creeping into Christianity hmm. is uh, I had a Mormon once at my door and I just just for 
just for kicks. I just wanted to try something, see what would happen. <laughs> and I told him about how I'd watch a YouTube video that told me that there were absolutely no, there's absolutely no archaeological evidence to support Mormonism, which, by the way, is true. None of the YouTube was right. I know, right? <laughs> but none of the archaeological um, claims of Mormonism have been founded, and they've made some huge claims. Not to get into it too deep, but uh, in Mormonism, they claim that after Jesus was done preaching in the Middle East, he came to North America, and that the Native Americans in North America are the descendants of of Israel. And in fact, he was quite confident that he was going to find the lost the tribes of Israel and the the Americas. Mm. Mm. And so we have these great stories about horses and swords and all kinds of things as anyone in the 1800s probably would have assumed that horses were native to the Americas, but in fact they were brought over by the Spanish. Mm. So here's just one idea and, and, and swords being talked about during like the Bronze Age kind of stuff going. These things just don't match. And then all these mm. elaborate ideas of what was taking place in, North America, in the Americas, of which we have found absolutely no evidence for. And so I said to him, how do you deal with that? And I just, you know, I was just curious what he was going to say because I figured maybe he would challenge because I made it quite, um, you know, uh, uh, grand, right? That there is absolutely no evidence. And he didn't deny it at all. And in fact, what he did is is he just said, no, he goes, I, I have this, literally this burning in my bosom that this mm. tells me that this is true. Mm-hmm. I have this feeling that tells me that this is true. And... Uh, and, and what, I, what the reason I bring this up is because I find that there's too many, I find too many Christians that want to go down that path where, well, how do I know it's true? Well, it's just, it just feels right to me. Mm. Now, we would never let a Jehovah's, sorry, we'd never let a Mormon get away with saying that. Mm. We'd say, I, well, I don't care how it makes you feel. There literally is no evidence to support that <laughs> this is true. And these, these ideas that you're believing. And so... On, this, on the same token, I think that as Christians, if we're not going to allow mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. then what a, to get away with that, I mean, what about us? Uh, this, this is one of the reasons yeah. why I think apologetics is so important. Mm. Do we have a good reason for what we believe? Right. Um, and so this, this is one of the things I talk mm-hmm. with Mormons quite a bit about. Yes, we want to challenge the simple subjectivity of it, the fact that it's only a burning in the bosom, it's only a way I feel, whereas as Christians, you know, we want to know the joy of the Lord mm. but that joy is rooted in history it's rooted in truth it's rooted in things external to my internal feelings it's rooted exactly. in the objective world mm. we would say it's both it's facts yep. and experience thanks for that guys uh, one more question as we leave and I want a little bit of feedback from each of you maybe we'll go around the table uh, and Jeremy will make note of these two so that we have them on the website. Do you guys have any good books that you would recommend for people to read this summer? So what's on your summer gotta read this list or books you've already read that you would just refer people to and say, hey, you should read this? The book I've been reading this summer thus far is the book. Thinking? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thinking. <laughs> Answering life's five biggest questions. <laughs> I read I it. Every, like I, I, I like to, yeah, I like, uh, I like to read it once just... a week. <laughs> No, the, the book I've been reading lately that's been really good is uh, by Paul Copan and Matthew something. I can't remember the second author's name, but the book's called Did God Really Command Genocide? I believe that's the, the title. Nice light read. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I, I've actually found it to be a really good read, and I thought one of the things I like mm. the most about it is they give some really solid hermeneutics in there like some really solid how do you understand the bible and read it in its context properly that i thought it's been really helpful so i've been enjoying that good anyone else what's on your what's on your read this summer list or something that you've read that you'd encourage people i've read we're we're already presuming that we're encouraging people to read the bible so no one's allowed to say that dang i read a book when i was uh, at cape and ray and it was it was required, which is helpful for me. I'm not a big reader by nature. Mm. I don't like to just pick up books and read them. Part of why your book is so difficult to get through, Andy. Thanks, man. Yeah, because it's a book. Because it's a book. Have oh, you okay. actually opened it and I read had. any? I'm through. I'm into the second chapter. All right. Yeah. Did but you I read the autograph page that he gave? When you uh, read? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it was a stamp. I think I said, Andy, will you sign my book? You know anyway. what? I'm going to come over to your house. And I'm going to take that copy back. You don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gift, man. <laughs> 
The book I read at Cape and Wright, which helped me, uh, it's a book by a man named Henry Nowen, and it's a short little book. I think it's around 90 pages, big font, and uh, it's a hard cover, so it even looks a little. Did you read the whole thing? I did. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, I did 10 pages, nine sittings, 10 pages a time. Uh, it's called Making All Things New, and I think it's a, uh, yeah, it's a great book. Any of you guys ever read it? Well, are you recommending that book because it's the only book you've read, or you actually think it's a good book <laughs> to read? Well, both. <laughs> it's a good book because I think sometimes, uh, you know, we're so we're so busy, busy, busy throughout the year, and then summer mm. sometimes we retreat, and I mean that that's okay. We can go on holidays and stuff, but mm. it is important. Henry Nowen talks a lot about in that book about kind of being restored um, and mm. and just just being refreshed, renewed, making all things new, hence the title. So, uh, yeah, really good, really short, like uh, a good reader, not like myself, could get through it easily in an afternoon or even an hour or two. So it's a really, really good book, and I would strongly recommend it. Uh, the book I would recommend would be Total Truth by Nancy Piercy. Uh, also, it's required reading for, for the interns here at Northview, but I found it really, really good, just challenging the way that we view things, uh, we all subscribe to a particular world view and the way in which we view the world uh, dramatically affects yeah, how we how we'll view different things, Mormonism or Christianity mm. or, or whatnot. And so that's been that's been a good good uh, yeah, very good read over the past uh, few weeks. How many pages is it? With the appendixes, almost 500. It's like, not light reading. But it's clear. not... Uh, it's a lot more sittings. Sure. Ten pages at a time. Well, I did an internship last year, and I had to read the same book, so... There you go. Yeah. Read. <laughs> read. Yeah, <laughs> with finger quotations. <laughs> but I feel like Nancy is still very, like, attainable. Like, it's still very understandable. You can relate to it. She uses mm -hmm. lots of examples, stories... So it's not beyond the average reader either. No, my wife's been reading it. She loves it. Yeah. And uh, Nancy's, she's awesome. She's here at the conference this year. Yeah. Fell in love with that lady. Her new book, Finding Truth, is really, really good too. It's mm. kind of the second part of that. It's really fabulous. Mm. Good work. Good work. I have a funny story about that book. Finding Truth? No, about Total Truth. Man, yeah. sure. It's brief. Yeah. One of my fellow interns last year, you'll know who you are if you're listening to this, uh, he and I were we're running late on our reading and so we decided in the last couple of weeks of our internship we should probably finish all of the assigned reading and so this particular gentleman hadn't even opened the book yet and meanwhile I was, I was a good way through and uh, we sat down at Tim Hortons because we had a bit of a routine we'd put our headphones on and just read and then every so often we take a break so it's a bit of incentive and uh, we had an hour and 15 minutes and he said he could get through it in an hour and 15 minutes, I said, there is no way. There's no way you could get through it. He said, no, there is a way. He said, in college, I learned how to speed read. And you, you know, you read every eighth word backwards and then you turn the book sideways. And he has this magic formula of how to sort of decode a book through skimming through it. No, that's not how he did it. But he would just read certain sentences, kind of skim through the pages, just fly through it. So here we are. I said, okay, I'll bet you a coffee. Bet you a coffee you can't do it. That in an hour and 15 minutes, you will not be able to give me an accurate synopsis of what happened. He said, deal. So we made this bet. This is a year ago. and uh, Still is not done. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, allegedly, he's, he's finished. Uh, and in an hour and 15 minutes, just flying, man. There's steam, smoke coming off the pages. He's flipping through him so fast. And by the end, he's, he would take some notes, so he sat us down. And it had been well over the allotted time. He was up to an hour and a half. And he gave us this brief synopsis. There was a couple of us there. And he was going on and on. And he kept referring to the author, Nancy Piercy, as a he. He's on about this. He's saying this. He's, he's talking about this. He's, he's established worldviews. And he, 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 he. And it was priceless because at the end, we, we had to break it to him that Nancy Piercy is a male. Not a, not a male, sorry. Nancy Piercy is a female. And so here he is. He's read this, supposedly, he's read this long book uh, and, and has neglected to, to even realize that the author's a female. So funny story. Nancy <laughs> Piercy, for the record, is a female. And this particular go. individual also still owes me a coffee. There I haven't met too many male Nancys. No. Um, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> One book that might tie together some of the things, especially talking about Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, is um, Putting Jesus in His Place. It's the case for the deity of Christ. And it's a really well-researched, biblically grounded book. book? Um, it's by two guys. Uh, uh, Robert Bowman, Jr. and uh, Ed... Komajeski. 
um, a couple guys I knew in seminary, hmm. and they have this this acronym that's sort of cheesy, but it actually really helps think through, because the Bible uh, never says in you know exact words Jesus is God. It never puts it quite that distinctly, and so that's one of the challenges. You know, it never says that. Well never in those words, but they have five lines of reasoning mm. and it's hands, H-A-N-D-S. So mm. Jesus shares the honors of God. He shares the attributes of God about being all-knowing. He shares the names of God, mm. Alpha and Omega. He shares the deeds of God, being able to forgive sins, like in Mark chapter two. And he shares the seat of God. So the seat of God, the seat, you know, the one that would come at, after um, the Davidic dynasty culmination that's preached about this weekend. So. If you look at all these things and put it together, I mean, mm. it's overwhelming that the, the scriptures talk about Jesus as being divine, and mm. if he's divine, he should be worshipped. Mm. That's great. How many pages is that one? Um, <clears throat> I have it on Kindle, so is it more than it's 90? one page. One page? <laughs> Just go through it all on Kindle and kind of slide. S- scroll. Uh, so there's, a, there's one book I'll, I'll encourage people to read. Uh, it's a book called The World Is Not Ours to Save by Tyler Wig Stevenson. It's a really great read, especially if you're a justice activate, acta, activist. activist type. I was going to say activator. <laughs> uh, it's, a great, it's a great read. It's a really great read looking at what the Christian responsibility is in terms of seeking justice and bringing change to the culture and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So really encourage you to read that if you are of the activist bent. And then there's a few books I'm actually looking forward to reading this summer. I'm looking forward. I'm going to try to read uh, Keller's book on preaching. It's going to be something I'm going to do to... Yeah, I just saw that book. just came out. Yeah. And I'm not, solid. And I'm not, I'm not doing this as a joke. I'm actually planning on reading the thinking book. That's on my summer reading list. Of, you haven't of, read it? No, I haven't read it yet. You probably should. I haven't even cracked it open. Not a lot. You have a copy? Yeah. Because he sells them. No, I have a copy of it. Right I just haven't, I haven't even opened it. Like, not even close. And I'm also going to try to read Hurlbut's book. Tasty Jesus. That's so a try. Be, so that'll be <laughs> saving us from our cultural predilections. Right. What can we get a definition of that? By no, the way? I don't. I don't think anyone can. You know what? He's told me before. I forgot immediately. <laughs> so if, knows. if you have any questions that you want to send into the extra podcast, please do so. Send it to extra at northview.org. Looking forward to being here again next week and discussing whatever it is that people said. Gitch, thanks for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Jeremy, thanks for producing. Al and Andy, thanks for your thoughts. Thank you. Thanks for hosting.